0: The podcast that you're about to listen to may cause some listeners to eat less fruits and vegetables and a lot more pizza and ice cream. Well, hey, hey there, happy innovators. How are you guys doing today? I hope you're doing well. I'm doing pretty good. I'm saddling up here for another Singularity Podcast, and I have a few things I want to talk about today. Uh, First off, I want to wish everybody that's listening to this podcast a very Merry Christmas and a very happy and safe New Year. I hope that all of you have plans to at least spend some time with somebody and, you know, share some human interaction, good food, good laughs, and hopefully a lot of rest and relaxation. Do you ever wonder what it's like to be famous? Do you ever think about that kind of thing? You know, I'm sure that everybody at one point in their life, you know, considers it. You know, they see a lot of famous people on TV and they hear a lot of famous people on the radio and you know, that kind of thing. Fame is something that, you know, all people probably at some point are interested in or have a desire for. And uh, I'm probably one of those people too. I kind of learned pretty early on that fame and that kind of thing, celebrity, was something to be avoided. But I find myself thinking about it a lot because, you know, I spend the majority of my time making music for people to hear all over the world, you know? And uh, if it's not fame that I'm seeking, like, what am I actually trying to do then? And, you know, I've seen so many examples over the years of my life of artists and musicians and actors and actresses that went on to achieve really high levels of fame, but they were never really Happy, And that fame was never really something that lasted for a very long time. You know, more often than not, we hear stories about people that, you know, made it to the heights of success and fame. And, uh, you know, for one reason or another, they weren't prepared for that fame. And because they weren't prepared for that fame, their life falls apart. I mean it's a disaster you know and uh, you know a lot of the time like when I'm watching like a concert video of a band that's playing in front of a festival crowd and that kind of stuff and I see the the camera angle from behind the band facing out to the audience and it just freaks me out like it you know you know in some ways it's actually kind of like terrifying I mean Uh, I'm not sure how often any of you guys have thought about that or would even take the time to think about that, but I have, and it's really kind of something that's pretty strange. Like, I I ask myself the question, is the human mind really able or um, created to, or, you know, does it have the ability to truly... Deal with extreme levels of fame. You know, think about that. Like, how often do performers, you know, get to the very top of their field? They're world renowned, they're playing in front of huge crowds of people, but they resort to some kind of drinking or drugs or something to help them cope with the pressure of being that famous you know and I asked myself a lot like why would anybody want that kind of life you know and why is it that when bands are like really really great and they're really successful right when they get to the peak they just fall apart like guys that have been playing music together for years will all of a sudden be like not even willing to speak to each other because You know, the money's there and the fame and the pressure and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a situation that was potentially something exciting and fun and great has, you know, kind of slowly morphed into this catastrophe of human experiences. You know, like, um, just think about that. How many great bands have there been that, you know, have just broken up and they won't even get on a stage together anymore or anything like that or they can't because you know legally they're you know supposed to like not be together on stage anymore as the entity of the band that they were in and that kind of stuff and you know it's not really a big deal to most people you know uh but to me i I think it kind of is you know it's one of those things i think about i i analyze like you know, I, I do make music myself and I want people to listen to my music like all over the world. Okay? That's very, very fun. That's like a fun aspect to this whole thing, you know, is that I make something up in my studio and I put it out there, and however small that group of people may be that listen to it, you know, and actually enjoy it, it's exciting and fun, but If I have such an apprehension towards like fame, being famous, I don't really want that. You know, I ever since I started making music, I never really wanted that. I didn't want a lot of money. I didn't want a lot of fame. All I really wanted was the opportunity to make up music, you know, have music that I create and have people listen to it. That's really all I wanted to do. but. If that is the case, truly, and I'm trying to be intellectually honest with myself, then am I really trying to be famous? Do I, do I really want to be famous? And I could tell you right now, my answer right away would be no. But at the same time, you know, I still have to kind of think about that, you know, every time I make like a new song and I think it sounds really good and I'm excited and it, you know maybe it's better than the last one I did like I really feel that way like it's really better what am I really trying to make it better for you know do I want it to become more famous than the last song is that what I'm trying to do or do I just want it to be like you know kind of like a competition with myself you know and I guess maybe if you're listening to this and you yourself are a musician or an artist, a writer, you know, any, anything, anything that you've chosen to do in your life, like why do you try to excel? Why do, why do we try to excel? What is the end that we seek, right? Do you ever think about that? You know, because I do, I do, I think about it. I think about it and I ask myself, hard questions like that. Like, what do I really want here? I would say, I don't want fame. I say, I don't really want to be wealthy. I don't really want to be rich. I want to be comfortable. Right. But every time I release a new song and, you know, as the years go by, you know, incrementally, this thing I'm doing here called Pipe Choir and PC3 and all that stuff, know incrementally slowly it's getting bigger and bigger every year you know and I have the analytics for me to see and to analyze and that prove that this whole thing is kind of like growing and I realized a few years back that you know uh, and I may have even talked about this in a podcast but At a certain point, like I had to kind of come to the realization that I could try to control what's happening with my music. I can try to control um, how fast it grows or how slow it grows or whatever. But ultimately, I have no control over any of it. So it's a little too late now to put the genie back in the bottle, you know, and um, I think about that, you know, because I really, um, the more I think about it, and I think the older that I get and the longer that I'm doing this whole thing, I think that I'm afraid of fame. Like I really am. Like I really do not want my life to change that much that way. I don't. I I wouldn't be comfortable with it. Um, I would be afraid that it would kind of like suck all the fun out of this whole thing. You know, if it became too big, you know, now I have to say, you know, I'm in no uh, danger of this thing becoming too big. okay? but as time goes by and if I have no real control over what's going on and if I'm really trying to make every album better and I'm actually getting better maybe you know uh, better songwriting better production better artwork all that stuff like as time goes by the more you do something you know hopefully if you're not a complete idiot you know you get better at it right so I'm just kind of thinking about that you know I'm thinking about it like I see examples of it all the time where there's these famous musicians and songwriters that get to a certain level of success and fame and the whole thing explodes and I don't want that to happen. You know, I would be much more interested in something like Pipe Choir and PC3, you know, my stuff, my music maintaining a certain level of um obscurity you know and that's most likely what will happen i think i do think that's true that i'm a niche artist and um i'm not like in any real like situation where this is gonna just all of a sudden be top 40 music or something i don't i don't think so and uh, i don't I don't see that happening, but I do see substantial growth happening and every year, you know, so what will this whole thing be like in twenty years? You know, I may not even be here anymore, but the songs will, I think, I hope. and if that's the case, then what exactly are we talking about here? You know? I guess, um, as I'm saying all this stuff, it sounds kind of egotistical, right? It does, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. Like I need to just like shut up about it, right? And just kind of keep on going and just don't worry about the future and kind of forget about the past and just you know live for the day and make the new thing and keep going, but I don't know. I'm the kind of person that just likes to think about things for no good reason. And uh, of course, you know, this thing called Pipe Choir and all this, you know, pile of stuff I have was made by me, right? So, you know, they're my babies, you know. <laughs> I gotta kind of see or make sure that they're okay, you know, long into the future. And I would like to kind of preserve this thing I got going on right now. As much as I possibly can, because I I really do like it just where it's at, you know. Um, But I am striving to get better. And if that's the case, like I've been saying, you know, if I am striving to get better and if it is actually getting better, okay, then and it's also at the same time, just by osmosis, you know, this pipe choir thing is naturally little by little growing every year right where am I headed and like what kind of future is there for a pipe choir and I don't know I don't know but I have to tell you that sometimes in my wildest dreams or my wildest thoughts or fantasies when I think about the potential of for what could happen with this whole thing and, you know, therefore, you know, what could happen to my life, to me, uh, it's a little bit intimidating, you know, and uh, I guess ultimately in the end there's nothing else to say because, you know, I have no control over any of it anyway, you know, uh, I just, I don't, I don't have any control. I can try to slow it down or whatever, speed it up or whatever I want. But ultimately, it's you guys, you know, you guys are going to decide what happens to this. So, I don't know, kind of a weird abstract thought, but I guess heading into the season of Christmas and thinking about that and the new year and, you know, how that goes with resolutions and getting ready for change. And, you know, I have a lot of new stuff coming out right now. I'm thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, watching a lot of very famous people, you know, watching their stories, watching what happened to them and how it went and how usually when things get too big, it doesn't go so well. And, you know, should I quit? Should I stop? You know, I think that sometimes, like, uh, you know, what's the point? What am am I trying to do, really? But I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think about it from time to time, you know. I look at this whole thing, you know. I I, kind of, I have to, you know, like I have to. I have to think about everything that I can possibly think about when it comes to you know, what I'm doing with my life, right? So, I don't know. Thanks for listening. Sorry to bother you, you know. Kind of going nowhere here with this, but trust me, you know, I really sincerely mean what I say and uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't gone round the bend, you know, yet. I'm just thinking about it because I see things, I hear things and I think. Hopefully you guys do the same thing too with whatever it is you've chosen to do with your life. But anyway, that's that. You know what I mean? You know, the idea these days, anyway, of free speech in America and really all over the world is kind of like a hot button issue. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with what I'm talking about because, you know, you're getting it rammed down your throats every day. You know, this idea of people not being able to speak freely and, oh, it's a constitutional right. And, oh, but you can't yell fire in a movie theater. And you know, there's all kinds of back and forth and banter about free speech, right? But I really want to say that. It is important. You know, free speech is very important. And if, in my opinion, if you're a serious person, then you're not really offended by what people say. You know, what people do is a different story, but whatever ideas people have or whatever they want to think, whatever they want to say, they're free to think and say what they want. I mean, you could try to clamp down on it and you know, like a lot of people have, like, you know, Twitter did and uh, all the social media platforms were kind of, you know, clamping down on people that were speaking and saying things that were offensive, they didn't like or whatever. But that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake. People should be able to speak freely and talk openly and have a free exchange of ideas however stupid or intelligent or whatever it doesn't make any difference you know to me it doesn't and you know to a lot of other people it doesn't either but what's funny is is that when people are doing like let's say they have a YouTube channel and they're talking uh, and they're saying things that are offensive and people don't like it and YouTube will demonetize them or, you know, whatever platform they're on will demonetize them because they're saying things that that organization doesn't like. Okay? So then what happens is ultimately the people who are making a living or trying to make a living off of their content on social media platforms like YouTube will start to kind of pander to YouTube. They won't break the rules because they want to make money, you know, and that's happening a lot right now. And it makes me suspicious of those people because, you know, I'm one of those people that would like to think that it's the message that's the most important thing, you know, for whatever YouTube channel it is or whatever, you know, I see this all the time now where people will be, instead of saying, you know, the word that's offensive, they'll spell it out or they'll talk around it, you know, because they want their videos to remain on YouTube so they can make money. Okay. But they're not really willing to say what they really want to say. The money is worth more than their own free speech is. Now think about that, because that's how I see it. You know, I've said a few things on this podcast over the years that were offensive to people, I'm sure. You know, but I would like to think that the people that are listening to this podcast, even right now, are people that are, you know, not completely stupid and open-minded enough to just listen and are open to new ideas or new thoughts or whatever just like I am you know this is not unusual okay what is unusual is when people try to control what other people say and think that is unusual okay but uh I will I would never ever change what I was going to say so that I could keep making money on something I don't make any money on this stuff anyway actually with this podcast if it makes any money at all uh, I'm not even aware of it I think that like, it's kind of like a an afterthought you know uh, pennies you know like who cares like it's not to me anyway it's not about making cash it's about Being able to express ideas, you know, and of course, you know, yeah, okay. To promote the music that I make and, you know, the records that I'm putting out and all that kind of stuff. Of course, of course, that was the original idea behind this podcast was just an opportunity for me to help the music along and to advertise and talk and have some fun too, you know, and, uh, I don't know. I guess maybe it's like, you know, it's the end of the year, right? So I'm kind of analyzing all this stuff right now. I'm paying attention more, kind of making decisions about the future. And I'm noticing that a lot of the, you know, YouTube content creators that I love, you know, have all slowly one by one started to kind of, you know, homogenize their message and, you know, not talk about certain things anymore talk around things or use spelled out words you know because they don't want their video to get taken down or whatever and oh it's so pathetic to me and that is really kind of when you consider the idea of being like an artist that's a, a creative commons artist okay um obviously money is not the most important thing to me, obviously. Now, at the same time, I have to say that I do make some money from it all, but the point is, is that if it came down to speaking my mind and making no money, (laughs) you know, hopefully it won't come to that. But if it ever did, it wouldn't be a difficult decision for me to make. I made that decision a long time ago and I have to tell you, and this is the reason why I'm talking about it here is that it's liberating, you know, like the difference between me and all those other content creators that are much more successful than me. Okay. At podcasting. Okay. Uh, I can still speak my mind. I can still say what I want because I'm not in this for the money, but if they are and other people are in it for the money, you know, they're doing that thing to make money. As soon as that money is threatened, you know, to lose their stream of revenue because of something that they say or might say or shouldn't say, and they kowtow to that demand in order to keep making that money. There's a word for that. It's called selling out that's what that is and if you do things whatever it is you choose to do in life whatever you love doing with your time and you know whatever you really put your mind and your heart into whatever it is you know if you would be willing to do it for free you know uh, and you do it anyway and in a lot of cases that is how it goes for a lot of people they They, they find a passion, something they really love, they go for it and eventually they wind up getting paid for it, you know, but the money isn't why they're there. They would be doing it for free anyway. And I'm one of those, hopefully you are too. And when that's the case, you can never be held hostage, you know, by people who are, you know, giving you ad revenue, you know? Forget it. Forget it. And, you know, actually, now that I'm saying that, a good example of that is what just recently happened with Elon Musk. And the ex, you know, he was threatened to, you know, that he wasn't going to get advertising dollars if he did this or said that or whatever it was. And he was like, F you guys, you know. (laughs) It's like, because he doesn't need their money, you know. He's not in it for the money. That's not what it's about. It's a whole different set of principles, you know? So the reason I'm talking about it is just that I'm not in this for the money. You know, my my life is not hinged on whether I get paid from a Singularity podcast or not, okay? So I say what I wanna say. And yeah, maybe nobody cares, right? And it's not that many people listening and, you know, I'm not going to get pushed and the algorithms for podcasts to be so, so that they become very successful, you know, that's okay. That's okay. I don't care, you know, but I'm seeing it all the time now with other people that create podcasts and, you know, YouTube videos, all kinds of stuff. As soon as the money is threatened or, or, okay. They find out that there isn't as much money in it anymore as there used to be. They drop it, you know, like they came on in the beginning, like they were really passionate about it, but then after time went by and they found out they weren't really making that much money, all of a sudden that passion disappears, <laughs> you know, cause they were doing it for the wrong reasons, you know? Maybe that's ultimately the message of this right now is kind of just like whatever it is we choose to do, you got to be doing it for the right reasons, you know, and anybody who would ever like accuse me of being a musician for the money is like completely out of touch with my life and how it went, you know, because let me tell you, folks, For the majority of the time that I was making music in my life, I was paying to play, okay? I was paying to make music. And by that I mean, you know, buying equipment, gas money to get the van to the next show, all that stuff. Making compact discs, you know, all the press kits, all that stuff. We paid for that ourselves. We were paying to be there, you know? and uh competing with other groups that were paying to be there so to finally get to a point where there's some revenue right it's cool it's cool but this whole thing here this pipe choir thing the mike bostwick thing is not hinged on like whether i'm getting paid or not you know therefore there's a certain amount of protection that comes with that because i don't have to do anything Get it? I choose to do. Do you choose to do what you want to do? Everybody should choose what they want to do. Everybody should be able to choose what they really want to do and then do it. You know what I mean? You know, there's another thing I wanted to talk about as far as this whole content creator thing and making money and all that stuff, whatever. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed this kind of thing, but I have, where there's these YouTube content creators that do things like predict the future, or they'll try to warn you about what's going to happen, you know, and you need to prepare and buy food and, you know, protect yourself and, you know, train and get ready because the future is going to be like this or that or whatever. And nine times out of 10, all those people that do that kind of stuff in order to get people into their YouTube channel, they're completely wrong about everything they predict, you know, like not just a little bit wrong or like a little bit off or something. It's like they're way off and none of it ever happens. And nobody ever calls them out on it, you know? And I've been watching this for years and years and years, you know, just people who will say, Oh, there's going to be a storm in, you know, this summer, there's going to be a solar storm and it's going to wipe out all the technology. And so people like, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I better prepare, you know, and it's like, no, nothing happens. You know, nobody really knows the future. I don't think maybe they do if they do time travel or something like, you know, I've been hearing a lot about time travel lately too. You know, that whole idea of like the possibility of being able to travel back in time, you know, which kind of like, you know, when you look at the evidence and you know, some of it is kind of, you know, not completely unbelievable, you know? Um, I know I've heard some talk about, was it uh, Donald Trump's uncle, you know, who had access to the files from Nikola Tesla. And, you know, there's claims that, you know, that Nikola Tesla had figured out how to travel through time. And uh, the notebooks with the diagrams and all the information and notes on how to do that were seized by Donald Trump's uncle. Now think about that, that's a pretty weird story. It's probably not true, but, you know, it's fun to think about. But think about that idea of time travel now, you know, and all the kind of things that are popping up now, these new technological breakthroughs that are kind of happening right now. And I don't mean time travel, but, you know, like um, what that ground p- penetrating radar, you know, think about that radar that penetrates the ground like the earth that can look into the earth like we look into uh, the ocean, you know, with uh, a submarine, that, that kind of idea where we can look and map out what's under the ground. And oh, my gosh, the things that they are finding with this technology, all of this stuff flies in the face of modern science, like it undoes world history, the things that they're finding in the Amazon jungle that they thought it was just a bunch of trees. They didn't realize that there's a lost civilization underneath all those trees. You know, with this ground penetrating radar, they can kind of scan and kind of see the landscape without the trees. They can see what's under, you know, and oh my gosh, the stuff that they are finding folks. It's I'll tell you what we live in a very scary time because there's a lot of stuff that's unknown and usually unknown is pretty scary, but there's a lot of stuff that's really kind of going to come in the future. That's going to be really great and really fascinating and educational for all of us to see. But the reason that I'm kind of like talking about it is because I have this feeling like more and more these days, like I find myself as well as a few other people that I'm aware of, okay, that are abandoning, like in some ways, I shouldn't say entirely, but in some ways, abandoning this idea of modern science, like what we understand as modern science and the, and the conclusions and the theories about the earth, and where it is and what history was like and what the sky actually is and the oceans and the land and the story of mankind all that stuff there are a lot of people who you know go about their day-to-day lives they remember what they learned in their textbooks in high school and that's the history they carry with them and that's the science that they carry with them into their adult life but i I'm finding myself as well as some other people that are kind of like abandoning that because there are new things that are being found. There are new things that are kind of coming to light about geography and, you know, light and matter and the earth and history, all this stuff that's kind of rewriting it, like you have to kind of question a lot of what we've been told. And people will go like, oh, that's like a conspiracy theory, you know? No, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's like when something is discovered and there's evidence for it that's shown and you can touch it, you can look at it, you can see it. You know, you have to kind of at least consider that the explanations that we used to get for things that we take for granted may be wrong. You know, there may be a lot of stuff that's around us, a lot of stuff going on underneath our feet that we are just completely unaware of. And there's a lot of people who think that's crazy talk, you know, but I don't know, I kind of think like, in my opinion if you are not on board with this kind of like thinking, like if you can't look at the evidence that's being shown to us about certain things about the earth and the geography and uh, all kinds of things like that, that we were taking for granted. If you can't at least look at them objectively and question things and, and discover new points of view, then you're going to get left behind, you know, because things are changing so quickly and oh i don't have enough time today to sit here and go through all of it but you know i would already talked to you a few podcasts ago about that idea of somatics and hopefully some of you watched the video that i attached to that podcast because you know i'm basically showing you that music you know this thing that we listen to and you know tap our toes to and you know we dance to you know we turn it up at a party you know that music that thing called music it has an effect on water molecules and it's unbelievable if you watch the videos of somatics c-y-m-t-i-c-s i believe somatics Oh, it's fascinating. What what sound does to water and wow, we're 95% water or whatever it is like, what effect does music have on our bodies? I was talking about this like months ago. Oh my gosh, there's so much more, you know, that people are finding right now. It's not even like old news. It's like, oh my gosh, all this time, we had no idea what sound did to water molecules, but now for some reason, we're able to figure it out or somebody decided to look, you know, and, and test it and see And Oh my gosh. And that's just one, one example, okay. Of the changes that I'm trying to express here. Like, yes, the world is a terrifying place right now. I think it really is. I see a lot of things that are troubling. I see a lot of things that worry me but at the same time i see kind of like a group of people that are kind of like stepping away from a lot of the bullshit that's going on and even kind of like abandoning technology a little bit because you know for those of us who have lived with technology long enough and extensively enough to realize its limitations. And it's really not all that it's cracked up to be. And, you know, it's really not going to change everything, you know, as much as we thought. And, you know, social media is kind of shitty, kind of sucks. And, you know, the, the will of people is kind of getting worse. And, uh, you know, my smartphone doesn't work all the time. You know, and uh, I find myself being frustrated with technology more and more and more. I mean, there are a group of people, myself included, I have to say, that are kind of in the beginning stages of stepping away from a lot of it. You know, um, I just recently saw this thing about this guy, he was talking about uh, Netflix you know that kind of thing and how we used to like when we wanted to watch a movie okay a long time ago if you wanted to watch a movie you had to go to a movie theater and you had to pay to get in and you watched the movie once okay and then you left okay that's how it used to be but then a little while after that and this is when i was a kid you know uh somebody invented the videotape, you know, VHS or Betamax or whatever it was. And, you know, people were able to purchase, you know, was it Laserdisc two? Yeah. Laserdisc people were able to purchase for the first time, okay. A movie to be watched in the privacy of their own home. And, you know, as you guys all know, as we all know, all that stuff eventually turned into what we have now. You know, we had DVDs, right? Blockbuster video, that place went out of business. Oh, look, it's like a relic, old blockbuster video. That's the way it used to be. And then like now it's Netflix, right? But with Netflix, there's a problem because people are getting more and more upset about Netflix because when they, you know, buy a video or a movie they really enjoy on Netflix, Netflix can randomly at any time decide that they're going to take that movie away. They could take it down or something like that. I don't even watch Netflix. Okay. But I'll tell you what I do as I do watch DVDs still, because I like that. I like DVDs. I like compact discs. I personally feel that the DVD and the compact disc are the perfect format and lo and behold, You know, there's this group of people in the world that agree with me. They agree that that is really the best format. And there are people that are making this regression back. They're abandoning Netflix. They're abandoning their, you know, streaming accounts because they want to watch a movie in their living room and they don't want, they want to buy it once and they don't want to have to buy it again. They just want to buy it once and watch it over and over again. Like we used to do, like I still do and like they still do. I mean, you can laugh if you want, but, you know, go take a look and see how well vinyl is selling these days. It's unbelievable. Like who would have ever imagined that vinyl was going to make a comeback? But it did. It did. And I'll guarantee you right now, you're going to see this in the next few years a return back to DVD and CD. I think they got rid of it too soon. That's my opinion. And it is the better format. It's better than streaming. It's better than vinyl, in my opinion. I think that CDs and DVDs and all that stuff is better. I mean, being part of that generation that was old enough to live through all, okay, all of the different format changes, You know, when I was born, there was only vinyl and then came the 8-track tape player, right? Remember 8-track? And then, uh, what, Um, cassette tapes and Dolby noise reduction and all that stuff, remember? And then there was LaserDisc and VHS and Beta and, oh man, I remember when video games were Atari, you know, that's it, Pong, you know? But I lived through all of that stuff changing into what it is now. And maybe some of you that are listening to this podcast are like me. You remember, you remember what it was like when the Sony Walkman came out and how great it was and, uh, ghetto blasters, you know, boom boxes and, um, all kinds of stuff like that changed And, uh, you know, eventually turned into, you know, CDs and DVDs. And then we got into, uh, streaming and things that were virtual, you know, virtual. And, um, now we kind of see that there's some flaws with that new format. You know, I could list off a few problems with, you know, modern technology and modern day entertainment formats, you know, it's really kind of wonky sometimes and glitchy. And, you know, uh, let's look at it this way, if there there was ever any kind of power outage, or something like that, or a situation where the internet went down, you would have nothing, you would have nothing. Okay. But There are a handful of people still that have held on to that stuff that they used to have. And it's not a mistake to hold on to that stuff. Now, those DVDs that used to be like trash and people just wanted to get rid of them, they're a commodity now because people are heading back. People are turning around and heading back. They're abandoning streaming and that kind of stuff. And I predict that we will see more and more and more of that into the future. You know, maybe you think I'm wrong. You think I'm a Luddite, you think I'm crazy, but I don't know. There are a lot of people that think the same way that I think right now about that kind of stuff, you know, and I could be wrong, but I don't think so. You know what I mean? So anyway, my happy innovators, I'm going to jump off here now. I think I've blathered on long enough today and man, I'm running out of time. I have a lot of stuff to do, but I will tell you this, that if you are a fan, okay. Of pipe choir or PC three, if you enjoy the stuff that I'm making, oh man, there's some pretty cool stuff coming down the pike really, really soon. So. I have been working so hard on stuff, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, if you're into it, if you're a fan, stay tuned, you're going to have a great year. It's going to be cool. Um, anyway, my happy innovators, once again, I wish you all a very happy, you know, Merry Christmas and a happy new year and be safe. Don't be stupid, have fun, but you know, don't get too crazy. Okay. All right. I won't either. So, uh, peace out everybody. I love you one and all. And remember folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy. okay happy innovators thank you for sticking around to the end of the podcast to listen to some music today i'm going to share with you a song from the pipe choir album the wrench and the rubicon it's a song called mapping the stars and uh you know it's just one of those tracks that when i listen to it i kind of forget like oh yeah i like this one (laughs) you know so uh I'll share with you Mapping the Stars. And you know what I'll also share with you is a song called Talk to Me from the Wrench in the Rubicon album because I was just listening to that with some friends of mine. And uh, they were talking about how much they liked that song. So uh, I thought, you know, it's a pretty good song. I like it. You know, I do. I enjoy it. So two songs today, Mapping the Stars and Talk to Me from the Wrench and the Rubicon album, which will be having a description done for it very, very soon. It's coming up very soon, I promise. That's about all I wanted to share today. So stay safe, everybody. Have a great holiday season and peace and love and Melba toast. Take it easy.